I'm Luke Story. I'm Christine Loria. I'm Natasha Kingsbury. I'm Angie Check. I am Dr. Aaron Eugene McMorrow. I'm Ben Joseph Stewart. I'm Bliss Young. I am Dr. Jacob Egbert. I'm Kyle Kingsbury. I'm Lily Nichols. I'm Mark Groves. I'm Sarah Gustafson. I'm Jesse Golden. I'm Dr. Stuart Fishbein. I'm Marin Green. I'm Kelly Brogan, MD. Hi, this is Kimberly Ann Johnson. Je m'appelle Rick Safriz, et c'est le podcast du Gidecolo Holistique. Hello, I'm Paul Check, and this is the Holistic OPGYN Podcast. Enjoy. All right, team. Nathan Riley here with Ryan Sprague. We've got the we've got Doctor Doobie Weed Jesus Ryan Sprague <laughs> in the house. We're going to be talking all about cannabis, which in my world, Ryan is critical because there's a lot of people out there struggling with fertility who are curious about how cannabis might be supportive or detrimental. Um, I think you can go either way. I think mm-hmm. a lot of people are curious about connecting intimately, and cannabis has certainly been a a plus. A plus in the uh, intimacy department from my wife and I. In fact, I think mm-hmm. our second baby was conceived on a really nice strain of cannabis that a certain Jesus um, may have helped me find. Uh, and guilty as charged. <laughs> yeah, right, right. And then of course we've got a lot of edibles. We've got all sorts of things out there. First and foremost, if somebody's pregnant and listening, do you have any experience? Now, granted, guys, he's not a doctor, but I am. So whatever mm-hmm. he says. I will provide the disclaimer that, you know, Ryan is a professional. He's been studying cannabis in all of its variations for years and years and years, but he's not a medical professional. It's not medical advice. We are just having a conversation through anecdotal, um, direct client experience. So just bear with us here. We're going to try to give you as much as we can. And by the way, my face looks very shiny because our friend Jared Picard sent me the uh, new Sun Potion Wet Mask, which is a collaboration between Sun Potion and Be Here. And I'm realizing I look like a sweaty pig on camera, but um, we'll, we'll have to deal with it. <laughs> I thought you were watching Cops or something. You know, I was like, why is he all sweaty? You know? <laughs> yeah. It's like bringing back bad memories, running from the police. Um, anyways, brother, welcome. Welcome back. I think it's been a while since you've been on the show, but I'm always happy to help support your work. Um, your Conscious Cannabis Collective is going to be the, the name of the game here. Um, you and I are in a couple groups together. I've heard you riff. I know that you're rebuilding, so it's a great opportunity to spread your wings here on the Holistic OBG in podcast. So where do you want to start? Man, well, first, I want to start with just thank you so much for having me back on, man. You know, it's always an amazing opportunity to riff with you. You know, we see eye to eye on so many things, or maybe high to high to be on brand <laughs> on so many things, man. And, you know, it's just amazing to be able to come oh, back man. and riff and update your listeners on what's been going on in our world uh, and get into some juicy subject subjects, yeah. you know, intimacy, fertility, and all the good things. Yeah, right on, right on. Well, I'm happy you're here, Ryan. You're always welcome. <laughs> I I think that there's very few people out there that really have like their niche, you know, I mean, Mm -hmm. a lot of people, even you and I met at Paul Check's 60th birthday, you were blowing bags, you were showing people how to mix different things, add a little cannabis to this with some herbs over here, like this, the mad alchemist. And um, honestly, between you and Nick Berry, there's, there's quite a, a, you know, the uh, essential oil wizardry guy. Uh, former pharmacist between the two of you, I was like, God, there's some people out there that really have a breadth of knowledge on a very specific topic. And your jam just so happens to be something that's important to a lot of people's lives. So, you know, the fact that you are so grounded in this practice and you've had your highs and lows, I know, with mm. with an overconsumption, overreliance, maybe even dare I say, kind of a, a dependency kind of pattern, you know, developing. 100%. Um, a lot of people say it's not addictive, but mm. I think we can use anything as a, as a crutch, you know? And so um, why don't we start there? Why don't, we, why don't you tell a little, a little bit about your sort of journey with cannabis and, and where you are now and how you connect more, maybe more intentionally with it? Absolutely. And so, you know, I'll go into a abbreviated story because I know we went through the full one in the last episode and if people haven't heard it, you can definitely dive into that. But but generally speaking, you know, uh, I ran my own surrender experiment without knowing it. And if you've re- read the surrender experiment, it's Michael yeah. Singer's journey of he basically just wanted to be a yogi, sit in the woods, be away from society. But people kept coming and asking him stuff. And after a while, he finally just started saying, okay, I guess I'll do this thing for you. I guess I'll build this house. I guess I'll do this thing. And ended up owning an IT company, making billions of dollars, all this stuff, right? So for me, you know, I found cannabis because it had originally helped me with uh, generalized anxiety disorder. But like many people, you know, I ended up 
interacting with it far too much uh, for my liking because I never got a user manual for it, you know, and, and what, I think what is a far lot too of much in, in your experience. I'm curious. Yeah. yeah. So at a very early age, it became something that went from once in a while to once a month to once a week to once a day to all day, every day. And I was never really like an all day consumer for a very long time. It didn't really work for me. But at night, I was definitely a daily user, right? Like I would interact with it at night to relax mainly because I had no idea how to turn off myself. And so I outsourced that power onto the plant, which, you know, again, might not seem like a lot when you see it like individually like that. But if you're outsourcing your power on one thing, chances are you're doing it in many different aspects of your life. And so there's a compounding effect. And so in going to school for psychology and mm. then getting into school for cannabis studies, I ended up having the opportunity to help a lot of people through end of life. Uh, with cancer and different conditions like that with uh, a form of cannabis known as RSO, Rick Simpson oil. Rick yeah. Simpson is just the gentleman that created the mainstream narrative around this medicine. It's its full name is FICO, full extract cannabis oil. And I had the opportunity to help my father through end of life with cancer wow, with cannabis. And wow, that's, wow. yeah. And, and that's where I really found the true power of cannabis because, you know, I thought I had discovered it already. I thought I had it all figured out. I knew all the science. I was going to school for it. I had the psychology background to understand how it worked in the brain and the mind. And it had helped me with my anxiety, you know, mm. but really it was when my father got sick, I was able to connect with him so much deeper in those ceremonies where I was giving him and administering him this cannabis because he wasn't a cannabis user, you know, for someone that had liked his control in life, he wasn't a drinker, smoker, anything. After he started experiencing some pain, I would make sure to sit with him while I was administering this because, of course, my father didn't like you losing control. And mm -hmm. here's me now giving him the strongest form of cannabis on planet Earth, right? And so when I was sitting with him, I got to hear stories that I had never heard from him before about his childhood. I got to watch wow. him have closure with his grandchildren, with his other children, with me, my mother, and most importantly, Nathan, his own mortality. We got to take the heaviness out of subjects like death. And you know, right, birth and death, they're kind oh, of yeah. these things that, not kind of, they're these things that all of us are going to experience and have experience with birth anyway. Yet all of us kind of have a confusion around it. Uh, and many of us also have a anxiety around it. And so when my father was going through this, I watched his whole demeanor change around this. And I watched my own demeanor change around him being sick. And after he passed, which was 10 months past the date of when the doctors had given him, and as we were getting his scans back, his tumors were slowing their growth by about 70%. Wow. So this might sound completely outlandish if, someone, if this is the first time someone has heard this, but THC can kill cancer cells. CBD can inhibit their growth. When I first started understanding this in 2012, there wasn't science out to back it up. All I knew was that this is exactly what was happening with many different patients I was working with at the school I was at. Now you can go on PubMed, you can look up these studies, and there's a little bit more credibility to it. Of course, they don't want this out there. When I say they, I mean whoever has monetary interests in keeping cancer this confusing thing. Uh, and again, you know, my intention here is never to say that cannabis is a panacea, that you can live a health unhealthy lifestyle and cannabis will just fix it all for you. It wasn't like that. And that's why it didn't work for my father in that way. But it did allow him to have quality of life and keep his hair because he mm. liked his hair, right? So, you know, it allowed him to have dignity, allowed him to take his pain away, and it did allow him to be around longer, right? It slowed his growth. We were getting these scans back from Dana-Farber, which is the top cancer institute in pretty much the entire country. And so, and luckily, you know, we're right near here in Boston. So, you know, getting these scans back and the doctors are like, what are you doing to have this effect? And he's like, well, my son is feeding me cannabis oil. And they're like, no, that can't be it, right? So anyway, after he passed, I ended up just really like devoting my life to bringing the full power of this medicine out. Not because I wanted to devote my life to the medicine, but because I knew what the medicine could do now. And what it could do is something that I truly believe is the biggest epidemic facing society today, which is a lack of connection. Mm. You know, why do so many of us feel so lonely? What did the last three years show us with suicide rates and all these things? People are lonelier than ever. Yeah. But loneliness is just a result, right? The problem that leads to the result of loneliness is an inability to connect. So when I connected these two things, I was like, oh my goodness, 
I really want to make this my life mission, right? Not just with cannabis, but just connection in general. And so I ended up working at a dispensary for five years with over 5,000 medical patients, running my own little case studies, uh, very anecdotally, of course, but you know, just seeing trends and things like that. And at a certain point, I realized that I would have to leave that dispensary to really start my own thing. And so that's when Highly Optimized was born, uh, which is my business and my cannabis brand. Out of that, you know, when I started this, I didn't really know what the hell I was going to do. All I knew is that I was getting into coaching now. You know, I had got out of therapy and that whole thing because I didn't want to be boxed into the red tape that therapists have to deal with. And so here I am getting back into coaching. And as I'm going around and asking all of these coaches at retreats and get togethers about business and marketing, all they want to talk about is the cannabis that I brought. And all they want to talk about is my cannabis story. And so this is what I mean with the surrender experiment. You know, I kept trying to not leave it behind, but focus on other things. And it just kept coming back. And so I went, okay. And so fast forward three years later, we've had 13 groups go through our certification program, the Connect with Cannabis program, where people can master breaking dependency, creating a healthy relationship, understanding the science, the history of the pharmacological aspects, and also getting to experience cannabis each week in the way that I speak about with regards to being a spiritual aid and ally. The way in which indigenous cultures and occult practices have been connecting with cannabis for over 10,000 years. And so it's been an absolutely wild ride. (laughs) Now we're getting ready to launch the collective, which we can get into. Um, But yeah, that's how I got here today. So what did you do when you when you realized, man, maybe I'm starting to abuse abuse this a little bit? What was it that you did to help Mm. yourself reconnect, which ultimately led to your course, Connect with Cannabis? Yeah. Yeah. And this is a great part of the story, too. And, you know, in 2019, I was at the dispensary. And again, I had been a daily user for about 10 years now. Again, at that point, I wasn't an all day user. That ended when I was about 19 because I realized I'm so burned out. I can't do anything. But, you know, I had been relying on it every night and I hadn't even been thinking about it, Nathan. And I think a lot of people might be able to resonate with this. You don't even know why you're connecting with it anymore. You're just doing it tonight because, well, I do it every night. So why not tonight? Right. There was no intention. There was no conscious action put into it. And what happened was, you know, I went to a big cannabis convention out in Las Vegas called MJ BizCon. And I went out there because I was getting so triggered by the company that took our dispensary over that I wanted to bring love-grown cannabis to the world. I wanted to bring the spirit back into this plant. And so I went out there to find investors of my own, start my own dispensary. This is what I thought I wanted to do. So I go out there with Rachel, my partner, and another friend of ours that worked at a dispensary at the dispensary. And we go out there, we're like, this is going to be easy. Piece of cake. We'll find our investors. They'll get what we're talking about. Bada bing, bada boom. So this is like an expo, right? Like you were going to set up a table Dude. and just show, just show off your goods, basically. Exactly. It, the The main difference is that I wasn't going out there to present. I was just going there to walk around and meet people and talk and things like that. But this is like the expo. It's the biggest cannabis convention in the world. It is like completely overwhelming. If anyone's been there, it's just like, where do I even start? Right. So we go there and we're talking to tons of people, meeting people. You know, we had connections from the industry and everything. So we're talking to a lot of the companies who worked with and whatnot. And, you know, all we kept hearing was how cheap can you grow my cannabis? How many grams per square foot can you get me? What bloom boosters do you use, right? Like people didn't give a shit about anything that I was looking to talk about. And so I looked at this as like, okay, what is this trying to tell me? And so, you know, what I want to point out here is that we went out there with expectations. When those expectations burned in front of us, the last night we were there, I asked Rachel, we went to a couple cannabis parties and I was like, you know, what do you want to do? It's our last night here. And she was like, hey, would you like to interact with some MDMA and go to a strip club? And so I'm like, of course, right? And so funny thing here too, it might sound like the typical guy move to go, yeah, strip club. I had never been to a strip club, Nathan, in my life. Neither had she. It is one of the weirdest things ever. It is super weird, strip clubs. (laughs) I couldn't imagine going there sober. So we go there, right? I don't know what to expect. And we just start talking to strippers and we had a fucking blast. We were just talking to them. We were hearing their goals, why they were working there, what they were saving up for. We just had a beautiful experience. And one thing that I was tasked with that night is keeping track of time. By the time I noticed, we were supposed to leave at four. By the time I noticed to look at my my phone, it was like 7.45 in the morning. And I was like, shit, right? Wow. So I tell Rachel and I watch her go through this like, oh my goodness, what am I going to do? Because she had taken on a job to write a 600-page application for a Chicago, Illinois dispensary. Talk about boring. That's the definition of it, right? When this happened, maybe it was the MDMA, whatever happened, I was able to take accountability for the first time in a long time over my actions. So like, hey, I fucked this up. I was supposed to keep track of time, and I didn't. And it might sound like completely small and meaningless, right? But in that moment, something shifted in me. 
And I started feeling. And I realized in that moment, like, what is this foreign feeling? And what came through to me was like, well, this is what emotions are when you're actually feeling them, right? That quote from Joseph Campbell, bliss is any emotion felt all the way through. So here I was having like, you know, not messed up her day, but like having messed up the thing that I was supposed to keep track of. And I was in a bliss state. So we leave there, we get in the airplane and I'm just like blissed out. I'm like, what is happening? So Mm -hmm. I start communicating with my soul in the airplane and I'm like, you know, what is happening? And they're like, well, you've been numbing out your emotions and staying busy and using cannabis and all of these things since your father passed away. You've never really dealt with it. And you've never really dealt with a lot of stuff, right? Like life isn't going the way you want it to. You're victimizing yourself at the dispensary. Like you can leave. They're not keeping you there and holding you hostage. The second I got home, I decided like, fuck it. I had just made the change. So I stopped connecting with cannabis right away. And I took three months off. And for the first month of that, I really thought it was cannabis's fault. Like I really thought like, oh, I can't go back to this plant. Look what it did to me. And after about another two weeks, my second idea and realization came to me, which was no, this is you falling back into the same pattern Mm. of blaming the world around you for why you are the way you are. You are the only reason you are who you are, how you feel, everything. And so are you going to come into this new pattern or are you going to fall back into the old pattern? And so I chose you know, reluctantly at the time, because I didn't know what was going to happen to go, okay, what if all of this is my fault? And so from that point, I had another huge awareness of like, oh my goodness, this plant actually is not at fault whatsoever. And so after about three months, when I had completely cleaned my endocannabinoid system out, I decided I go, well, I want to start connecting with this plant again, but I'm not naive enough to think that I won't fall back into the same pattern. And so I started experimenting with only connecting with cannabis on weekends and using intention. And what happened as a result, Nathan, was absolutely like profound because what started happening was I started getting so much self-awareness. And then after Sunday would end, I would then keep track of all the ideas I had gotten. And then I would put them into action that next week, right, in my sobriety period. And this just kept compounding and compounding. I got into more coaching classes. I started taking on -on one-on-one clients. I started traveling. I started meeting my idols. I started doing all of these things. And in doing so, I started talking about what I had just gone through. And so many people started resonating with it. But still, there was that voice in my head that was like, well, this is kind of weird. You know, you just come from the industry. Is this you going against cannabis culture? All these things. But I just kept pushing forward because I knew it was coming from my heart. And so that's really how everything got started with Connect With Cannabis is me going through my own challenges with dependency and then realizing that the plant never held a gun to my head and told me to connect with it, right? So if I got myself in that mess, it was my job and my job only and my responsibility to get me out of it. And in doing so, I realized just how much the plant is being stigmatized by people blaming it for their entire life circumstances. Cannabis makes me lazy. Cannabis makes me anxious. Cannabis makes me paranoid, right? Instead of understanding this is a sacred medicine, a psychedelic medicine that is meant to increase self-awareness for you, and it's not always going to be pretty. But you know what's a lot less pretty? Going through 10 or 20 years of your life, ignoring this stuff. Because then you really do wake up one day and you realize that, wow, I coulda, shoulda, woulda, but I didn't. And so I'm so grateful I realized it at that point in my life because ever since then, I've been able to help thousands of people break the dependency without having to quit cannabis. Being able to really take the middle way as Taoism talks about, you know, instead of going from polarity to polarity like most of the world is, being able to say, hey, what is my why here? Am I intentional? Is this a calling or a craving? And then be able to use discernment in choosing whether or not I want to connect with the medicine. So if people resonate with this story, Ryan, um, we've got, I've got a bunch of other questions for you, but for those Mm. listening who are really connecting with this, um, Mm. I actually feel like I, you know, I'm connecting with this because I mean, look at this thing. I got this vaporizer bag here, whether it's cannabis, tobacco, Tobacco. feel free. I've got a little bottle of that. You know, there are certain people in our circles and we all know who they are that are on something at all times. Everybody, Mm -hmm. I think, has this tendency because we're locked in our four walls with a roof at all times and we're just itching to feel something else or to not feel something that's real. If somebody's resonating with this, with your journey, how can they find out more? How can they work with you? Let's just say it now. We'll repeat it again at the end. But I want people to really like realize like you're a real person. This is your actual (laughs) story. This is you're not selling somebody something on Amazon like this is real shit. (laughs) Yeah. And you guys, like, for anyone who has known me personally, like, you know this. And 
you know, and I wear my heart on my sleeve. Like, you know, I'm the first person to say that I've gone through these challenges. You know, I'm not someone who's saying, hey, I haven't gone through this, but I know what you're going through. Like, I have gone through this and it's still something I balance in my life, right? I still have those thoughts that want me to numb out. I just choose consciously not to now. And that's hopefully what keeps me relatable to Mm -hmm. people around me is that if I was showing up here saying, I've completely beat this, I have never had a craving since, right? You've just ascended. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You know, again, like this is a good time to bring up that the whole idea of ascended masters and enlightened people are not nearly as common as Instagram want you to believe, right? Mm -hmm. And so just again, Mm -hmm. people beware of the people that are trying to sell you from a place of knowing it all, because at the end of the day, we're not here to know it all. We're here to experiment with it all, you know, and learn from it. And so for people that are curious about really diving into this, what we're releasing right now is an uh, amalgamation of the last three years of what we've been teaching in the Connect with Cannabis program, which is designed to help you break dependency and create this healthy relationship with the plant so you can experience the true power of cannabis as a psychedelic. We have that in there. We now have Coach with Cannabis, which is going to help you be certified to actually go out there and do the same type of work I'm doing, whether it be retreat hosting, facilitating live ceremonies, helping people integrate their experiences, helping them break dependency and be held accountable, whatever it is, right? We teach you how to do all that. And then also growing it as well, because one thing I've realized in my 12 years experience is cannabis is expensive and it's only getting more expensive and you got to pay taxes on it now and all of these things. And honestly... Another dirty secret about the industry is that most cannabis out there is being factory farmed. High quality cannabis does not rest upon how much Delta 9 THC it has, how crystalline it is, or what fucking name it has, right? So much deeper than that. And so by cultivating yourself and learning how to do so in an organic way, you're going to be able to deepen your relationship to a whole new level. And so we have all of this now, along with a year of support and mentorship in what we now call the Conscious Cannabis Collective. Because what we were realizing is that The clients that do the best are the ones that get the most support. And sometimes, depending on who you are, this can be a quick thing, like it was for me, where you just make a shift and you're like, okay, I'm not going back. Or it can be a little bit longer. And so being around other people too that are going through this allows you to realize you're not alone because that voice in your head wants to tell you you're the only one going through this, feel shame, feel guilt. Maybe you have your parents or society or whatever shaming, guilting you, right? And doing these types of things. And so getting together with hundreds of other people that are all like, oh yeah, we worked through that or we're working through that or we just started and we're excited to work through that. Being able to see all the different chapters, right? Instead of just trying to go from chapter one to chapter 10 can really support you. And we have a ton of fun in there. Part of what I believe is that healing can be light. It can be the best part of your day. Sure, it can be challenging if you want, but I think one of the other epidemics going on right now in the healing sphere is that everything's very somber and very serious. And honestly, that just doesn't resonate with me. You know, if challenges come up, sure, I'll go through them, but I'll go through them with a smile on my face because I know what the payoff is. I love that you about know? you. And it's yeah. so much better. Yeah. yeah. So that's 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 where people can actually get into this stuff and start doing it. And again, like, you know, at the end of the day, my mission is not to tell people what the right answer is. But if you're resonating with this, chances are there's something there for you. What it is, I don't know. And we're not going to know until you take the plunge and you at least hop on a call with me and we figure out a roadmap for you, you know? And so I know my message will not be for everyone. It's only for the people that resonate for it, you know, resonate with it. And for those people, there is a whole new world of cannabis that you would probably never understand to you that you would never think exists that is possible when you start diving into this stuff. Right on. Well, I'm sure a lot of people are going to connect connect with you and yeah. um, in, in hopes of connecting better with cannabis. But I honestly think that if you have an alcohol issue, if you have an any issue, I think that really having any intention with anything you do um, is really, really critical. I 100%. want to ask you a couple rapid fire questions. I want you to answer yes, no, or maybe. Okay. All right. And then yep. we're going to unpack these things a little bit further. Okay. Perfect. You got it. So is cannabis okay to use in pregnancy? Maybe. Is cannabis okay to use while breastfeeding? Maybe. Does cannabis help with sexual performance? Yes. Does cannabis impact your gut? Maybe. Is cannabis addictive, physically addictive, chemically addictive, I should say? Maybe depending on person. Is it emotionally addictive? It can be, yes. You used cannabis with your father, so we kind of already know the answer to this, but can Mm. cannabis increase your pain threshold, let's say? Yes, 100%. Um, We have already established that there might actually be some sort of 
sort of anti-neoplastic or anti-tumor properties. Hmm. Is there a difference between cannabis grown in your backyard versus the, quote, medical-grade cannabis? Yes, 100%. Is there a difference between hemp and cannabis? Yes. And last question, what the fuck is up with this Delta 8 or whatever nonsense that is being released, which seems like a Frankenstein monster of cannabis? <laughs> yeah. Do you want me to dive into this for a second? Because it's rhetorical. It's, it, yeah. It, it's not really a yes or no question. So I'll, of course. what I'll say is that Delta 8 and these kind of things we're seeing coming out uh, were never meant to be in the concentrations that they're being seen. Now, does that make them not safe? Not necessarily. But put it this way, if cannabis was legal in all 50 states, there would, there would be no Delta 8 industry, right? It's only a workaround for individuals that live in uh, illegal states because it's technically a hemp product and hemp is legal in all 50 states. And so that's really why we're seeing it. That being said, like the main thing I would say is not to not use it or anything, but just to be very aware that the hemp industry is not nearly as regulated as the cannabis industry. And as we'll explore, the cannabis industry is definitely not perfect either. So just be very aware of where you're getting your products from, because there is so many things with mold, pesticides, et cetera, Gross. that once that's in a gummy, you have no idea where it originated. Ah, okay. Well, let, here's a follow-up question then. Mm -hmm. So in, in other words, in sort of in summary, the more, <laughs> it sounds so silly that we have to say this, but the more natural <laughs> it is, the, the, the more likely you're going to get a benefit and not some sort of unforeseen side effect. Yes, exactly. I've never tried to grow cannabis but another, you know, rapid fire question, is it hard to grow quality cannabis yourself? No. <laughs> All right. We'll be talking later. Right? They call it weed for a reason. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. Okay. Let's explore the difference and we'll try to keep these answers pretty concise because I've got a lot cool. of them, uh, a lot of these mini questions cool. to explore, but what is the difference between CBD and THC? So THC is going to be intoxicating while CBD is psychoactive. So the main difference is that THC is what's really commonly known for the intoxicating effects of cannabis, the high, if you will, whereas CBD, yeah, CBD is mostly a CB2 antagonizer, whereas THC is a uh, CB1 antagonizer. Ah. CB1 receptors are located in the central nervous system, brain and spinal cord. CB2s are located in the peripheral nervous system and the immune cells. And so they just work on a very different basis. Um, that's why like CBD, if you're interacting with pure isolate CBD, you will not feel any intoxication. That being said, there is some psychoactivity and how I kind of separate that as intoxication is what anyone knows from interacting with cannabis before. That being said, Delta 9 THC on its own is a different type of intoxication than full spectrum uh, cannabis, uh, whereas okay. CBD can do things like really reduce inflammation. It can open certain things up in you. But again, isolates, I like to stay away from because like you said, right? Like basically a really funny way to surmise all the questions about like, you know, minor cannabinoids, these Delta 8 and Delta 10 products, uh, hemp versus cannabis, all these things is that the closer you can get to pure cannabis, how it was meant to be cultivated and how it was meant to be interacted with, the better it will work because there's this thing called the entourage effect, which basically means in layman's terms, that when you have all the constituents of cannabis together, they all help each other work better. And so when you start taking them out and isolating them, they're not nearly as effective. And that's like the main difference between CBD, THC, and why you should really have it all together with the entourage effect. Yeah, yeah. You're reiterating, of course, that like less is more. Like this plant yes. actually in nature grows perfectly well. We don't need all of the... I mean, honestly, we don't need all of the regulation over it. That's actually somehow perverting this process in, in a lot of ways. Um, for yes. some reason, we feel okay with somebody taking a little gummy bear with artificial sugars and artificial food dyes that has a little bit of CBD or THC in it versus just smoking some flour from a plant in your backyard. Somehow we see that in society as being you know, better because you can you know, dial in the dosing or whatever else. So we won't belabor that point. But I do want to ask, I know you use some interesting practices when you grow cannabis. Mm. You know, As you know, I'm a Steiner student yes. and I have gone very, very deep now into this stuff and I have still only scratched the, the surface, the very, very top layer of the soil, so to speak. But you know, along with anthroposophic medicine comes biodynamic farming, Waldorf education. 
I want to talk a little bit about some of your specific practices because you and I have both done biogeometry training. You've utilized mm-hmm. some of these technologies. At what points when you're planting cannabis versus harvesting, like, are you coordinating this with moon cycles, with horoscopes? I mean, how deep have you gone into some of the more esoteric principles of cannabis farming? Yeah. So for me personally, most of the cultivation I do based on where I live is indoor. And so I don't have to necessarily go by the moon like I would if I was outside. That being said, a lot of what I've focused on is more in Korean natural farming and also just regenerative agriculture. Did you as say a whole. Korean, so, like South yeah, Korea? Korean. Oh, interesting. Yep. Yep. Never Korean natural farming. Yeah. It wouldn't come from North Korea. <laughs> That'd be weird. Um, but, but yeah, Korean natural farming is essentially being able to. The cornerstone, and I'll keep this pretty short because it can definitely be a lengthy subject, yeah, but yeah. the the cornerstone and really main point of everything that is KNF and Korean natural farming is the idea of IMO, which stands for indigenous microorganisms, right? Oh. So, you know, again, we could get into so many different areas of why the industry is so uh, toxic, but one of the main things is that a lot of people are buying what's called bugs in a jug. And what that basically means is that... <clears throat> They're growing in inert mediums like Coca-Cola or Rockwell, and they're using these microbe supplements to supplement microbial activity. The challenge is that a lot of these microbes are cultivated from different parts of the world. And so when you try to apply them in your longitude and latitude, a lot of them just don't survive and they die off, right? And so at best, you're just wasting money. At worst, um, who knows what these things are doing in the environment? And so, because again, you know, when you're... Yeah, when you're cultivating with chemical solid nutrients, you're getting a lot of runoff that's going into the sewer systems, that's going into our ponds, that's hurting fish. I mean, we don't need to get into all the things that are in our water supply. But again, I always look at, is this going to leave the Garden of Earth greener than when I found it, right? And again, there's certain things with indoor growing that obviously are not going to be the best for the environment, like electricity. But when it comes to you know cultivating indoors, what I teach is how to mimic the forest floor, right? How to mimic like what mother nature would have with nice, beautiful organic soil that you build with certain amendments, mulch layers, earthworms, you know, predatory insects to keep away into the bad bugs. You don't need to use pesticides and all these kind of things. And I utilize biogeometry alongside KNF. And so I'll get into biogeometry in a second, but essentially with KNF, you can learn how to literally in your backyard cultivate microbes from your area. And the, the analogy I have for this is kind of like stem cells, right? So, you know, with stem cells, they take them out of your hip and they inject a large portion into a certain area that needs them. And then that area can regrow itself based on your own DNA information or anything that comes from those stem cells. And so with IMO, it's very similar. You're taking a certain collection of microbes, you're then breeding it to get bigger and bigger and bigger, and then you're giving it back to a small portion of your land, which then goes fucking wild because <laughs> what these microbes do is they turn insoluble nutrients, which are not able to be uptaken by your plants, into soluble nutrients. So they create this entire buffet. And one of the most naive things human ever humans ever thought is that we know better than plants. So if you ask a typical cannabis farmer, they'll say, oh, in veg, it needs nitrogen. Uh, in flowering, it needs potassium, uh, phosphorus and potassium, right? Yeah. But that is such like a 3D way of looking at it. Like, Plants need all of those nutrients all the time, plus micronutrients and all these things. And most most cannabis gardens will say, we'll just throw some CalMag on them, right? But at the end of the day, if a plant has everything it needs when it needs it, plants are going to be able to choose on a microsecond by second basis what they need to be able to flourish and reach full genetic potential. And with the seeds that I work with, I work with breeders who cultivate and breed their genetics in an organic system. Because if you try to take a plant that was grown in like rock wool and put it into organic soil, I've done this before, it just does not ever reach full genetic potential. Um, actually, the gentleman I did this with, he could never take, he could never get my plants to take in his rock wool. I got mine to take, but they would always end up so small and I would get like an eighth off of them. It was actually pretty adorable. But, <laughs> but other than that, it was like, you know, I could see like, okay, this is a thing. And there's a lot of different people that talk about this too. And so for me, like the idea is how close can I imitate nature and also use nature to benefit nature, right? Taking IMO, giving it back to the land, making ferments out of plants, flowers, et cetera, giving that back, increasing the bricks content, AKA the sugar content of the soil because microbes feed on sugars. And so like, again, like, you know, these kind of things have allowed really just basic things to allow my cannabis to become very high quality. And that's why I say that's what we focus on in the program, right? Now, again, many of the genetics out there have high THC and these kind of things, but 
a common myth is that cannabis has gotten stronger since the modern hybridization act mm -hmm. of the 80s. Mm -hmm. It's actually gotten less psychedelic, right? So yes, we've cranked up this one thing. It's like we've done arm day over and over. So yeah, we have huge biceps, but God forbid we have to walk up the stairs, right? And so, you know, again, yeah. that's the analogy I use. And so, yeah, it's interesting. And, and, you know, we can take this many different directions, but I'll stop there. I think that's enough information uh, to answer your question for now. Well, this is why they call you the weed Jesus, Dr. Doobie, yeah. baby. <laughs> yeah. There's there's quite a bit that we can say about food. I mean, you and I being friends with people like Paul Check, you know, it, it's soil is really an allegory for, for everything. It's an allegory for setting down a healthy foundation for a house or, you know, what we used to say in medicine years ago was that a person has good or poor protoplasm, which is not a real mm. thing necessarily. It was more of like a gestalt around this person just seems like one of those sickly people. And mm. if we're just focusing on inputs, outputs, we tend to miss that that there's a there's a life force here. And I'm not even I'm not even weighing too heavily on prana, chi, although I will say the Eastern philosophies tend to get this a little bit better than we do. Mm. Medicine in the West has never started, nor in agriculture or forest management or whatever. We've never started with the question of what is life. And that question can lead you down some really, really long pathways, you know, in the woods and you open doors and there's 10 more doors on the other side. My point of saying all of this is that everything that you are consuming on a daily basis, whether it's, it's animal product, it's plants, it is highly dependent on how that soil was cared for. And cannabis can be a completely different, um, you have a completely different experience with smoking, eating, whatever, extracting from a plant that was grown in healthy soil versus versus not. So when, my Definitely. next question, of course, is let's riff a little on pregnancy and mm. breastfeeding because there isn't a ton of data out there. Mm. But it's also hard to say, is cannabis good in pregnancy or bad in pregnancy? Mm. Because it depends mm. on what you're talking about. If you have some Frankenstonian exactly. perversion of cannabis, maybe that actually is harmful. But mm -hmm. if you're ever taking in something, a, you know, a part of the earth's bounty, including psilocybe's mushrooms, including ayahuasca, including cannabis, and virtually everything else you put into the temple when you're growing a baby or breastfeeding a baby. If you're putting in something that's natural, it's grown in, in really healthy soils in the appropriate environment, you're probably going to be okay. It, there's just yes. very, very few things that are really, truly found in nature. And don't bring up arsenic, people. That is not what we're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> If you're eating, if you're taking in something that is a part of nature, there's a very, very good chance that the data never, ever will actually reveal that it was dangerous. But having said all of this, what is your take? Again, guys, Ryan's not a doctor. You can't hold him responsible. He's just sharing what <laughs> his experience and insights have been from reading, you know, literature for years. Yeah. Yeah. You know, this is a very like touchy subject. And when I worked at the dispensary, we would have people come in that were pregnant and they would always be so full of shame and guilt. Like, ah. Oh, you know, what are people yeah. going to think of me? And I'm like, listen, at the end of the day, like, you know, I think that one of the most damaging things for babies is stress, right? We know oh, yeah. the damage that stress can do, right? And so in a perfect world, would someone need cannabis to be able to get through pregnancy? I don't know. Maybe you could argue no, right? But do we live in a perfect world? Huh? No, we even when and we've talked about this before, like, you know, women are not nearly revered for the power they have already. It's not good enough that they can give birth. They can take care of children. They still have to go to work. Yeah, you get a little bit of maternity leave, but then you get better, better get back to work because that's what really matters. You're a number, you produce things like, and again, I don't mean to be generalizing, but like, I think people can resonate with what I'm saying, right? Like yeah. I do think a lot is shifting right now in the world where people are waking up to like, Hey, I wasn't born to work a job, pay taxes and die. But again, like think about the unnatural way in which we're living now. Do I think we should go back to living in caves? No. Right. But I think there's balance necessary. And so here's what I would say. So while I would never recommend someone smoking while they're pregnant, luckily smoking is not the only way you can interact <laughs> with cannabis. Now, even vaporizing, <laughs> yeah, even vaporizing, I would say like, I don't have nearly enough data to be able to say if that is objectively good or bad. And maybe there isn't an objective nature to it. And that's like kind of the other slippery thing here is I think a lot of people in life right now are looking for objectivity. Cannabis is always bad for pregnancy or it's always good for pregnancy. And if you're, if you give a maybe, they're like, well, what is it? And it's like, well, it depends on many different factors, right? It depends on what is the why, right? Is someone just pregnant and they're smoking every day because they're like, fuck it, I don't care, right? Yeah. Probably not going to be the same as someone who maybe 
has a severe amount of pain and doesn't want to take a pharmaceutical and connects with some cannabis to get that pain to go away for a little while. And then maybe goes to the doctor to figure out, hey, why is this pain coming in, right? So the other thing too is that when you look at cannabis, there are a lot of things you can do with it that are not intoxicating and so intoxicating. And so one of the main things is juicing the raw cannabis leaves, which Mm. have the unadulterated version of THC in them called THCA. It's the acid form of THC. THC does not become intoxifying until heat or oxygen uh, or light is applied to it. And it goes through a process called oh. decarboxylation, right? So when you're juicing the leaves, there's actually a great uh, video, right? This guy, Dr. William Courtney, this is one of the first things that changed my entire mind around cannabis. Back in 2010 or 2011, he released this documentary. It's a short film called Leaf. And it's all about how he found this patient of his that had something like, you know, nine to 11 different autoimmune disorders. And she was basically on death's doorstep. And so he started administering raw cannabis juice to her and put all of her autoimmune disorders in remission, and then they get married at the end. So it's like this really cool story about how, again, she never had an intoxicating effect with cannabis, right? She just benefited from the leaves. And so again, like, you know, that is something where I would say, you know, for me personally, that's something I would much rather see someone who's pregnant do than deciding to smoke a joint or something like that. Now, is that because smoking a joint is wrong? No, it's just based on like, okay, how can we reduce harm? Because that's my whole thing, right? Like, I'm not here to say cannabis is good or bad. I'm here to say, hey, for those that are choosing and discerning to do it, how can we reduce harm? Now, luckily, cannabis is relatively safe. Even for those of us that have smoked all day for years, it's not going to be the thing that does us in, right? Like, and and that's been seen over and over and over in many different studies, right? Andrew Huberman came up with an episode about brain health. There is so much in there that he did not go over. Like, what is the quality of cannabis? How often are they doing it? What are you're their stress exactly levels? Exactly right. You're like a true scientist in how you're thinking yeah. about this. Yeah. Go ahead. I have yeah. another comment about vaping in a second, but we'll. Yeah. I'll bring yeah. It up and later. so, so many people reach out to me after, oh, cannabis is going to kill your brain. I'm like, listen, Israel's been researching cannabis far longer than America has. And honestly, America is bought out by pharmaceutical companies. So I really right. don't trust any study that comes out of America, right? I take correlations and I don't necessarily make them equal causation because honestly, much more research is needed. But here's the thing, right? If people have been connecting with cannabis for over 10,000 years, which is what cannabis historian Chris Bennett has documented in his book, Lieber 420, Cannabis, Magical Herbs, and the Occult, where he talks about how cannabis is in the Bible, Jesus is an anointing oil, is actually a primitive form of RSO, he has evidence to back these things up, and how cannabis has been a part of our evolution for probably much longer than 10,000 years. I mean, after the flood, there wasn't really much recorded history before that, but but again, this isn't a new thing, right? You look at Rastafarians, all of them are connecting with cannabis during pregnancy. If it was that dangerous, they would not have continued to reproduce. Now, I will say some things. So cannabis does impact testosterone if you're connecting with a lot of it, right? And I think most men, we understand that if we're connecting with cannabis all day, and maybe a couple of days in a row, and then our partner wants to have some awesome sex, we're probably not like, yes, let's go, right? Like, And again, cannabis is a very feminine plant, right? But again, people just look at it very objectively, like, oh, cannabis takes testosterone away. Well, what about what it gives to you? This increased connection to self, this space in your life, this presence, right? right? And again, we can expand on that in a million different ways. But I like to say that just to get people curious, like, yes, cannabis can impact testosterone, right? But at what other side are you gaining from it? Like, what are the other things that you might gain from that? And then does that mean cannabis is bad? No, it just means now you're informed that, hey, Maybe for you, if you're looking to have high testosterone, you don't connect with it very often. And if you do, maybe you're connecting with raw cannabis juice leaves and things like that, right? So again, Hmm. you know, I like to take the middle way in everything because I think polarity is something that, again, the law of hermetics states the law of polarity will pretty much fuck you up until you become aware of it. And when I look in society, it's like, be a carnivore, be a vegan. Eggs are amazing. Eggs are terrible, right? There's no like, there's no context for like, well, maybe let's look at the individual situation and see how this thing is impacting that individual. I'm trying to, I was trying to find something here. You know, you brought up the Jamaicans. There was the only RCT of any quality that I've found is the one where everybody talks about this one study. And it's actually for those who are listening um, to this interview coming from the Born Free Method, my course. The um, this study, I, I did talk a little bit about it because it was actually a fairly well done randomized. It was. It, it's not randomized. It's a controlled cohort 
trial looking over five years what happens when self-reported users and non-users of cannabis are pregnant and using these these substances. It looked to see how kids performed in five years. And if anything, it was probably a wash, but if anything, the kids that were born to the to the users of cannabis performed slightly better on some of the tests. Now, a lot of people use that single study as the holy grail. We've, we've answered yeah. our question. That's actually antithetical to science. It's one study exactly. that demonstrates that it may actually, if anything, it's not dangerous. A quick exactly. PubMed search for that article, which for those listening is called Five-Year Follow-Up of Rural Jamaican Children Whose Mothers Used Marijuana During Pregnancy. I think we can probably presume that this is cannabis that was grown in someone's backyard. It was not going through the dispensaries. It was not you know, extracted and put into a concentrate that is vaporized, which by the way is very different from these crinkly bags that we smoke. Yeah. Um, you have this, you know, whatever is added to that as preservatives or whatever else, you heat that that up really hot. It's just very, very different. There's all these different ways. But these kids were being exposed in utero to marijuana smoke. And I agree with you. I think smoking anything, you've got particulate, you've got that high heat, that can be damaged to the lining of your lungs. Eating, mm-hmm. not so much. Vaporizing, not so much. But the point being that we don't have that many of these perspective trials, as we say, in order to really, really compare. And what I what I did in PubMed while you were talking is I, I wanted to see who cited this article. And I brought up one, two, three, four, five, at least six, uh, no, five. And they were in favor of at least investigating further because they couldn't draw any conclusions. And then others will yeah. say, oh, there's definitely a connection with autism. But you have to really look at the methodology. And I want to bring up one other thing that you said. When I, I used to you know counsel residents that I was training or med students, and I would say you have to look at the methodologies first. Don't worry about the abstract or the conclusion. Just focus on the methodologies. Now I actually tell people, start by asking, is there some reason for which a large corporation would not want this, this hypothesis to be true or want it to be true? Because if so, there's probably some fuckery afoot. In, 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 you know, how this, these authors are concluding this and I won't belabor that any further, but I appreciate you kind of spinning on that. And, and there's a whole bunch of maybes here. We don't really know. And just like with your father and, you know, Rick Simpson oil has definitely not been studied in pregnancy. So if you have some flour and somebody passes you a joint and you've had some nausea and you take a little puff and you feel better, I would say that's a benefit. And because we don't have any conclusive evidence that homegrown, really well-raised, very intentionally treated, handled cannabis is probably not dangerous, if the benefits for you, whether it's pain, whether it's nausea, just like with our our end-of-life patients, whether it's anxiety, it's sleep, it's appetite, cannabis has so many uses. The cannabinoid receptors are everywhere. If the benefit outweighs this presumed risk that has yet to be you know, verified through the data, then make a decision. Make a, exactly. a decision and own the outcomes of, those, of that decision because we don't know. These three-letter organizations can't save us from every step that we take in life. So sorry, that was my diatribe, but no. I needed to make sure that people hear that. <laughs> Dude, you know, I love that because it's so accurate, right? Like, just like I was saying with polarity, right? There's a bunch of people that are like, oh, I saw that one study, so now cannabis is safe. And I'm like, no, we need more evidence, right? But overall, right, if cannabis was nearly as bad as people are saying, people would be dropping dead everywhere, right? Now, let's also look at pharmaceutical companies want to treat you. They do not want to cure you, right? And insurance companies make a fuck ton of money in treating you. And healthcare, like, let's just say for a second, the government thinks white bread belongs on a food pyramid, okay? So if there's ever any argument needed, they obviously do not have a true understanding of what real healthcare is because what they actually preach is sick care. It's like very, it's very reactive. Oh, I'm sick. Now let me go figure out what's going on, right? Now, let's think about cannabis, right? Now, I'm not going to say it's a panacea, but it does help with a quite alarming number of things, and you can cultivate it in your backyard. You don't need to be a botanist to do it. Um, The first time I ever grew cannabis, I threw a couple seeds down. One came up. I didn't do anything to it, and then I harvested. Like That was how easy it was, right? So again, you know, yes, you can become a master grower. You can get all into this, but... You know, what I love about this, and especially the methods I teach too, is that you don't need to be a rocket scientist to figure this out, right? It's very easy because again, if you let nature do what nature does, 
You don't need to necessarily understand what's happening. Of course, that's great, but you don't need to understand it. All you do is just create a very beautiful environment, very similar to children. If you create a beautiful environment and let them be themselves, they will end up in a much better standpoint than trying to control everything and trying to tell them who you want them to be. It's very similar to cannabis. If you let them be in nature and you just give them the right microbes and things like that, the right soil, the plant will grow as a side effect of you just allowing it to be in a beautiful environment, you know? And yeah. so again, yeah. I, I wanted to say that too. Yeah. And I will extend this, you know, into the breastfeeding period. You know, there is quite a bit that people struggle with. I'm a dad times two, and I'm sure that you and Rachel, you know, will consider that path as well. There's mm -hmm. quite a bit that happens in that postpartum period that cannabis can be helpful with. If Definitely. you feel that the benefits outweigh this sort of it's risky until proven otherwise notion, then that's that's your decision. But there's a lot of women in my practice and their partners who use cannabis um, and they actually find that it not only helps with connection, but it also helps with some pain and aches and all of the other things. So, so, you know, use at your own discretion, uh, as long as it, especially if it's coming from somebody like you who probably makes the best cannabis in the world, as far as I'm concerned, <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> checking the mail with bated breath, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, uh, you know, anyway, anyways, so I want to, I want to go back to something. What about before the pregnancy? I know cannabinoid receptors mm. are also present, um, in actually large proportion, relatively large proportion at the uterus in the gonads. So for, for mm. women, their ovaries, their uterus, for men, their testicles, and maybe some, you know, other parts of their genitourinary system. Do you have any insights as to whether or not using cannabis intentionally, apart from the let's get it on kind of space, that it actually could impact gonadal function? And if you don't know, that's okay. I, I, yeah. I'm a little, it's kind of a toss up for me when I look <laughs> at the, the data. Yeah. So what I would say overall, and one thing I do want to say based on the breast milk thing is one thing people might not be aware of is that I'll go through a very quick one minute expl explanation of this. We have an endocannabinoid system. It is the largest regulatory system in our entire body. It's also the only regulatory system that has two way communication between mind and body, right? Now in that endocannabinoid system, we produce endocannabinoids, specifically anandamide and 2-AG. Ananda comes from the Sanskrit word bliss, right? Anandamide is what is commonly referred to in a runner's high, right? So these are things that our body is producing each moment of every day, right? So long as our bodies are functioning normally. So phytocannabinoids, the cannabinoids found in the cannabis plant, Delta 9 THC, CBD, et cetera, fit directly into the same receptor sites like locks and keys that endocannabinoids do. Now, do we think that, and again, I don't know the answer here, but do we think that cannabis is poisonous to us if it's able to do that, right? right. I would argue no. Now, right. again, I'm not trying to draw a conclusion here because, again, I'm not here to say whether or not cannabis is right or wrong for everyone, right? Everyone gets to use discernment in choosing whether or not it's right for them. But endocannabinoids are very present in mother's breast milk. Now, am I saying to go out and pump yourself full of phytocannabinoids? No, but I'm just saying like these are things to illuminate that if someone is vehemently against cannabis, but they've yet to hear these things, this might give them more information to go rework their own story around it. And again, use the sermon. And maybe they still come to the answer that, hey, it's not for me. That's okay, right? But understand that part of the reason that you're able to function how you are is because of these endocannabinoids that mimic exactly what phytocannabinoids can do in our body, right? Not exactly, but very similar. And our endocannabinoid system is what allows us to have that regulatory faction in our body with endocannabinoids. And so mm. I wanted to just expand on that because again, it, that's like the basic science that I think if someone understands that, they can at least get curious and be like, okay, there's actual like real science out. And again, like it goes so much deeper than that. In Conequa Cannabis, our first program, we have over 700 pages of science material in there of the entire endocannabinoid system, the full breakdown of all the constituents of cannabis, how cannabis impacts the nervous system, how it impacts connection, all these different things, how it impacts sex. And so what I would say with, you know, gonadal uh, performance and things like that is that cannabis does affect testosterone if used in high amounts. Now, again, what I would say is, of course, everyone's got an individual biochemistry. There's 8 billion of us on the planet. So for some people, a less amount might do something similar. For some people, they might be able to just power right through this. What I've noticed for me is if I'm connecting with cannabis for like 14 days in a row and I'm doing it like, I mean, I haven't done this in years, but like if I'm using it multiple times throughout the day, I just naturally don't have as high of a sex drive. Now, that being said, let's say that I'm on my schedule that I do now where on Saturday, Rachel and I are both free. I connect with some cannabis. 
immediately, let's just say professionally, things are on, right? Things work. <laughs> there's increased connection. Uh, there's increased libido. And there's also increased uh, duration as well, right? There's easier um, uh, ability Absolutely. to- Like 100%. And so this is something to look into. Uh, and again, not that it's the answer, but it could be a potential answer. Paul Check talks about often how many young people are on Viagra and Cialis and all these things. You know, again, like- there are things in cannabis that can help with sexual performance. But like anything, right, water is essential for us. But try chugging a gallon in five minutes and see how essential it is for you, right? Like it's not going to be a good outcome. And so, again, it's not that anything in life, I see it as objectively good or bad. It's just, again, what is the context? What is the why? What is the intention? You know, and and also with regards to sexual performance, I personally believe, and again, I don't have evidence for this part. There's evidence to support some of this. What I'll say is like, if cannabis is grown with glyphosate, we know what glyphosate does to testosterone, fertility, et cetera, right? But I personally think that chemical salt nutrients, which are not being studied in the same way uh, and in the same like types of like scenarios, I think those will be a detriment to a lot of different aspects of health because they're essentially the steroids of the plant world, right? Mm. You're using bloom boosters and these things to crank up these synthetic nutrients so your plants get higher yields. That to me is the same thing as people thinking someone looks healthy because they're all roided out. Like, sure, they might look some version of good if someone thinks that looks good, but how's their liver? How's their heart? How are their kidneys? You know, like, you know, so again, I personally believe that cannabis grown organically under the sun, if you can, uh, with intention, with love, with, you know, nature around it and with just a high quality environment is going to be so much different on a quantitative and qualitative level than this factory farm stuff that we're seeing that's being sold as high quality stuff, right? It's almost like, again, I use the bodybuilding analogy because it really brings it home. We're being sold that being on steroids is healthy because people are used to seeing someone that looks ripped as healthy, right? But what happened as the 80s came into the 90s and the 2000s, we started realizing like, oh, maybe we don't want to use isolated machines. Maybe we want to actually do full body workouts, right? And so this is the same thing that's happening with cannabis right now. It happened with beer too, right? And I don't like to compare alcohol and cannabis, but again, people started realizing like, I don't want GMO wheat in my beer. I want to go to these smaller craft, you know, uh, breweries that are at least, you know, again, I'm not saying Mm -hmm. alcohol is safe, but at least they're using higher quality ingredients, you know? And so it's a very similar type of analogy. Well, I mean, in reality, beer what beer is is probably not all that bad for yeah. us if it was being treated the way you know the from from the time that those you know the what the hell is even in beer hops or whatever yeah, <laughs> it grows know, out of the ground yeah, hops, yeah. <laughs> yeah i mean alcohol yeah like there's also alcohol in kombucha it's a it's a byproduct of fermentation so you're going to get like alcohol itself is not the problem when you're drinking it in this vapid can of nothingness just to feel a little escape from your day. There's also a, perhaps a, a, a mental, emotional, and spiritual downside to this as well. Like we, we are not cars. It's not just inputs, outputs. What intention do you blow a bag of tobacco with or vaporize a bag of tobacco with versus cranking out a, a bag a minute for, you know, the, the whole day while you're awake? It's, yeah. you know, nicotine's the same, you know, in, in all of its forms, it's the same way. So I'm glad you're bringing all this up, Ryan, because I, what we're left now in this conversation as we as we're kind of coming to a close here is is that it is not easy enough for us to continue to either stigmatize or completely destigmatize the use of cannabis there are exactly. there are many many channels where i don't think that we've we've done adequate investigations as to the health benefits or health detriments to a generalizable population, let's just say, and, and very, very um, specifically, nobody seems to want to do any sort of RCTs, randomized control trials with um, with pregnant women, which is no surprise. Nobody's like who's completely foreign to cannabis is going to sign up for a trial where they have to smoke a bunch of cannabis every day. Like it's just not going to happen in that way. So there's a lot to be still, I think, foreseen perhaps in the future but as you know, it's it's from my point of view, the more natural that your products are, whether it's water, beer, or cannabis, and the intentions of the person who's farming it, I think those are probably the two most important things. And then, of course, splitting hairs, is it better to smoke it, eat it, vaporize it, whatever? 
I personally can say for those you know who know that I use a vaporizer, I don't use cannabis all day long. I maybe will take a little bit before bed, and it, it helps unlock some creativity, you mm. know, as I'm falling asleep. But and also, by the way, guys, what Ryan said about sexual performance, I when I was in very very high periods of stress, I am happily willing to admit that I was prematurely ejaculating over and over and over again for at least several months. And then I would get a, you know, a little stress release and I would feel better, but then it would happen again because I've always had too much on my plate. I've been in adrenal fatigue, no sexual performance. And my libido was, was down as well. The cannabis didn't bring my libido back, but it did help to decrease that sympathetic tone so that I could go longer. And sometimes Sometimes it was just a matter of pleasuring my wife, and that felt so good. That's why we engage intimately. So um, there, if you're having issues with premature ejaculation, first, take down your stress levels, but cannabis can be a great tool. Actually, I think Paul's the one who, who I you know, shared that with me at one point. But anyways, oh, the more natural, okay. the, the vaporizer thing that I was going to share is that this is water vapor. It's not hot. It um, is not particulate. There's there's a uh, you know a nice screen in there to prevent that. I think that if we can think about some of these things on a very basic level, I think the rest kind of falls into place, and then it, it really comes down to your personal experience and your risk tolerance. So um, that was my second diatribe of the show. <laughs> well, you know, dude, you know what I'll say too is I choose to only vaporize or eat it. Very rarely I eat it. I like vaporizing, you know, and it's yeah. not because I'm like, oh, I not supposed to smoke it's just like honestly i don't like smoking it tickles my throat the wrong way it's just annoying plus i am a health nut you know and why would i do all of the other stuff i do and then right. just smoke because again where are the papers coming from or if you're using a pipe then you're getting butane in there and all these kind of things and so oh, yeah. you know ideally like the thing is that cannabis is a hundred billion dollar industry nathan and it hasn't even hit federal legalization yet and there are so many people out there that might do much more harm than good if because they just don't know what they don't know, right? And so really what we're looking to create with the Conscious Cannabis Collective is a movement of cannabis-informed educators, coaches, facilitators, guides, et cetera, to go out there and continue bringing back the stigma on this medicine, right? Because again, the world wants us to think that we're just dirty stoners, that this planet is completely stupid, it has no point, when in reality, there's over 10,000 years worth of research and history around how this plant has been a part of every occult practice, how it's been a self-awareness medicine, and all of these types of things. And with the issues that we're going on in the world right now, this inability to connect, uh, this loneliness issue, you know, cannabis can be one river out of many rivers that can lead us back to the same sea. But again, you know, if people are not cannabis informed on this, they have no way to know, especially if they're a coach or a facilitator or a doctor or a nurse or anything. How do you know if a client or a patient's relationship with cannabis is undoing a lot of the good you're trying to do together if you're yeah. not cannabis informed, right? And yeah. so being able to do this for yourself first and then be able to share your experience with the world, it's super fulfilling. It's extremely necessary right now. And honestly, Cannabis is also very practical, right? Like we all love the, well, maybe not all, but a lot of us love the idea of psychedelics, but let's face it. Most people don't have 5k to go down to the jungle and take two weeks off of their lives. You know, cannabis can be connected with in a ceremonial fashion, two to three hours, start to finish. And God forbid, if you get interrupted, you can go make dinner for your kids. You can at least function, right? Yeah. Try doing that on five grams of mushrooms or MDMA or anything. And so <laughs> Good luck. Yeah, MDMA might be kind of fun, but, but other than that, you know, again, it's practical, you know? And so again, like for anyone interested in this, you know, definitely hop into the collective. It's super fun. We're going to have a bunch of different opportunities in there, side quests, fun little things to do, morning and nighttime ritual practices, accountability coaching, all the information you could ever want. But again, what I always tell people is that in the age of information, Realize that you're not going to join something like this merely for information. You're going to join this because you want to discover and explore who and what you truly are and what and who your soul is guiding you and becoming, right? If you feel a yes from this, that mystery is actually the best part of life. And so I tell everyone, you know, if you don't resonate, hey, awesome, right? But if you do, follow that cue to anything you're resonating for, right? That's how I've gotten to where I am today. That's how I've been on Aubrey Margus and Paul Check and met you. And all these things have happened because I said yes to something that was completely illogical, you know? And so again, you know, I'm here to tell you that if you follow your heart, you'll always end up in the right place. It will definitely not be the place you thought you'd end up, but what actually happens will be so much more profound than what you ever could have dreamed of. Amazing. Ryan, what's the, uh, what is the, uh, well, tell everybody about, you know, where they can find your podcast, but also where mm -hmm. they can find your, your course one more time. Like what's the website? 
Yeah, absolutely. So right now I have two podcasts. We're reforming them into one. Um, but right now you can find the highly optimized podcast or and or the this one time on psychedelic podcast on Spotify, Apple podcast, Guru, Audible, whatever podcasts are found on. And then to sign up for the waitlist, you can go to highlyoptimized.me. It'll be right there. And then if you want to connect with me personally, you can go to my Instagram at the real Ryan Sprague, S-P-R-A-G-U-E is my last name. Hop in, ask questions. I'm happy to offer you any support I can from afar. Um, and yeah, let's have some fun together. Let's co-create some magic in the world. That's what I'm here to do is really allow people to realize that any microcosm is an example of a macrocosm. And so, yes, while this is a cannabis course and a cannabis collective, it's really a collective meant to explore what comes forth as a result of being able to connect with cannabis in this way. Because cannabis is not the moon or sun, nor does it want to be. It wants to be the finger that can point you back to your own moon or sun when you get disoriented. And that's oh, what I we're there that. to really dive into. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Ryan, thanks, brother. I love you, man. Thank you for coming you. and spending some time with me today. We'll send everybody your way and um, look forward to chatting with you soon. You too, man. Thanks for charging my battery. <laughs> <laughs>